0: The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. You are the master. You are the head of this house. You are the provider for this household. Take full control, we pray. And we ask that you teach us again. Help us to come to a place of fulfillment and joy and peace maritally for one and for all. In Jesus' mighty name. And the church shouted a louder. Amen. Glory be to God. Give your neighbor a fist bump. You can be seated in God's presence. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a joy to see your lovely faces and your masked faces. For those that are covered with the mask, how has your week been? I trust you had a wonderful first week in the month of November. Hello, somebody. And I know that you believe that by the grace of God, you are going to finish this year well. Yes. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm going to finish well, it's going to end better for me. Than it started for me. Glory be to God. That is the plan and the will of God for us. We are teaching along those lines in the midweek service. We started last Wednesday and the vehicle God has given us to use to end this year and and to start the new year is the vehicle of prophecies, specifically Bible prophecies. We started last Wednesday. We looked at the prophecy in Ezekiel 36. And there are things we can learn from those prophecies, the word of God, the principles of God, the truth of God, that applies to us today. And what God has assured us is if we will embrace those things and receive those things for ourselves, we will have a better ending. I decree over you again, you will have a better ending. Hallelujah. One of the scenes we saw in the midweek service, by the way, I want to encourage those of you again that have not yet gotten on the program to be joining us on the midweek service. Do join us. You will learn a lot. And it's just a short time of teaching. And then we pray and we break bread. In that prophecy, Ezekiel 36, one of the things God told them is that I am for you. As you go on in this year, God wants you to remember that he's for you, particularly as we end this year. And it's so important, particularly in that prophecy, because these people were in bondage. They were in exile. Because of their backsliding status and their sinfulness, God had allowed their enemies to come into their land and ravage their land and destroy their land. And they had been taken into captivity. And when you are going through those kind of negative, difficult situations, you will be tempted by the devil to think that God has abandoned you. Some people even go as far as saying that God is punishing me. God is punishing me for my sins and my errors. So God raised up a prophet and told them, tell them I'm for you. I know you are rascals. I know you are, but I'm for you. And I want that to be a word of encouragement for somebody. God is for you. Speaking maritally, God is for you. I went through a divorce. God is for you. My husband and I are separated. God is for you. It is hell on earth in my house. God is for you. See, that's a word of prophecy. And if you are going through the valley of the shadow of death, like Peter said, if you can learn how to lay hold on prophecy like a light that shines in a dark place, it will guide you to the dawn of a new day. And that's what we are doing as we wrap up this year. Glory be to God. Now, specifically on Sundays, we're going to be talking about our marriages and relationships because that's a major aspect of our lives that God also wants it to be better for us. How many people could do with a better marriage? For those of us that are married, it can. Just, how many? Those of you that are married, married people, you, you, it can be better. It can be sweeter. Yeah. So we started in the first service, discover the spark again. And by the way, like Pastor Inda just mentioned, we are not just talking to married people in this section. Yes, the focus of the principles we are sharing are about marriage, but we are also talking to single people that plan to get married and other people that may not be interested in marriage for one reason or the other. At this time, maybe you have outgrown that marriage phase of your life. I know a few people like that, particularly elderly people, they are not planning to marry. You know, um, we interestingly, I think it was this year, was it this year or last year? I believe it was this year. We studied the book of Ruth. About Naomi and Ruth, that their husbands died. Naomi wasn't planning to marry again. But through her daughter in law and what God was able to do in the life of Ruth, she still found fulfillment. So some of us may not be planning to marry again, maybe because of age or something. It doesn't mean we should not learn about marriage or marital relationships. Thank God Naomi was wise in dealing in marital relationship with her daughter-in-law. Some mother-in-laws, they don't have good relationships with their um, their daughter-in-law or even their children or father-in-law. And it all comes from not knowing the truth about marriage and how marriage works. So I enjoin everyone, I encourage everyone, whatever your status is in life, whatever you are going through right now, open up your heart. See, it it all starts with the state of your heart and the condition of your heart. To hear what God is saying, be reminded the marriage institution was the first institution God set up for man immediately after he formed man. He said it's not good for man to be alone. God wants healthy marriages, strong marriages, On a personal level, on an organizational level, as a church, we need strong marriages. Because where the marriages are strong and healthy and are blessed, it will affect every other person in the church. The marriage doesn't just bless the couple in the marriage. We talked about that in the first service. I want to just quickly get to where I can wrap up. But we talked about that briefly in the first service. It affects everybody. Hebrews um, chapter Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible says marriage is honorable to all. It can affect a nation. So we're trusting God that God will help all our marriages and that the necessary spark everybody needs will be ignited again this season in the name of Jesus. My couples, you need to be able to look into the eyes of your spouse and it's glittering with sparkles of joy, of satisfaction and fulfillment. And when your spouse looks into your eyes as well, there's that joy and excitement. You should be happy. Can I hear a loud amen? Amen. You should be fulfilled. And you can be. Glory be to God. And for single people that are applying to get married, learn what it takes to enjoy that kind of life. And have that kind of life. Regardless of what you may be going through. Let me quickly move because of time. Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. I want to pick it up from here in this service. So God was telling the nation the roots of their problems in in the book of Malachi. Please keep that in context. We don't have the time to read that backdrop here. But he was telling them, he said, number one, the way you have honored me as your God. And specifically talking about the way they have given and things like that. That was number one. The second one was a shocker. He said, your marriages are the problem. Look at what he said. Malachi 2 verse 14. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and your wife, the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Please note that. And understand, though, particularly women, when the Bible was written, it was written in this context many times from a male perspective talking to a woman. Spiritually, God is talking to both people. Hello. So don't say, hey, it's the problem of the men. Pastor, preach to them, it's the men. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Even if you are married to a man that is 99.999% of the problem, there's a way that .0001 that is left, that is not the problem. Hello? That the wife can respond, that can begin to turn things for good. Now, there are some people, no matter how well you try, their hearts are so hard, there's not much you can do. And sadly and unfortunately, sometimes... The way forward in some marriages for the two of them to part different ways. Jesus was telling them that. It's because of your heart, the hardness of your heart. Sadly and unfortunately, but it doesn't have to get there. Can I hear a louder amen? amen? Can I hear a louder amen? amen? It doesn't have to get there. If people can learn the truth. So he told them, you have been dealing treacherously, I will say it this way, with one another in your marriages. And verse 15, the Bible now says, but did not God make them one? We're going to come back to that. Having a remnant of the spirit. And why one? Because he seeks a godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Hallelujah. Let's just look at a New Testament scripture that also buttresses this point. Um, is it Peter? Let, let me look at that text just a second. First Peter or second Peter. Peter was talking about that. I want us to read it. I quoted it briefly in the first service. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Hallelujah. Deal well with one another. First Peter 3 and 7. Apostle Peter speaking. Husbands, likewise dwell. Again, it's coming from the perspective of husbands. The same thing that applies to the husband applies to the wife. Dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Watch this, that your prayer may not be hindered. Hallelujah. That prayers may not be hindered. And really that's what God was telling them in Malachi. You are praying, you are coming to cry to me concerning the condition of your nation. You know we can think about that about Nigeria. Many times people don't look at that as a way to solve national issues. You are coming to Christ and look, what is going on in your homes? What is going on with the way you are treating your wives? And yes, the husband being the head of the family bears a lion's share of responsibilities. But the wives also have their parts. Hallelujah. Praise God. So how we handle ourselves on this Marital relationship level matters a lot for every single individual. It matters a lot. And when they came to Jesus and they came to ask him, um, Moses told us we can divorce our wife. Jesus told them go back to the beginning. In the beginning it wasn't so. This is what we are looking at this morning. And he told them, he quoted Genesis chapter 2 to them, part of Genesis chapter 2. This is what the problem is. The foundation God laid for marriage, you are hard, or your hearts are hardened towards the foundation. Maybe you don't know it. Maybe your pastor has never taught you in church before. Or maybe you have been taught, but you have now come to an age where these things don't look reasonable anymore. It doesn't make sense anymore, like our own generation today. There are things that are now reasonable, strong arguments that people are bringing forth concerning marital relationships and marriage, and many of them sound very reasonable. The other day I was listening to several years ago, I was listening to some people make arguments about gay rights and things like that. And this was the first time I had them make this argument that it's like a civil rights issue. If you cannot um, persecute me because I'm black or because I'm this, why are you persecuting me because i um, so much or I'm homosexual and things like that? Very, very reasonable argument. You, I, I told myself that these people have won this argument. I just said, ah, uh, they have won this argument. Once you bring it to that field that it's now about fundamental human rights. And it sounds reasonable. I said, I don't want this argument. So you have to be careful in the day you live in, where people can raise good-sounding arguments and logical deductions, and where people can still be looking as if they are doing fine, but at the heart of what they are saying and what they are doing, they are contrary to the word of God. That's what Jesus was telling them there. Have you seen couples when you sit down with them? Okay, you, some of you are not pastors. And they tell you the woe going on in their house and going on in their home and why they need to break up. So, ah, look, it's better for you guys. Look, to your tent to Israel, <laughs> even if it's for a season. But we know that's not the best that God has for us. Am I talking to you this morning? That's not the will of God for us. So when we are in times and seasons like that, it's so important that we are grounded in these things. Hallelujah. And I tell you, if we are going to sustain the spark or rekindle the spark in our marriages and relationships, we need to be aware of these things. Because if these things are violated, no matter the spark you are seeing today, it will die out. And take it from me. I think I have a level of authority in this area. This year, I'm, I'm married 20 years. There are some truths that are just non-negotiable. And every party to a marriage covenant must you must take it to heart. In fact, single people, I'm going to even start with one of them here now. When you see that the person you are thinking about marrying is not serious about this thing, doesn't value these things, it's a reason to run. It's a reason to say, I'm not doing it again. Because the period of courtship is a good time for you to test the person you want to get married Before you formalize the agreement, what do we believe in? Do our values gel? 10 years from today, 20 years from today, are we still going to be saying the same thing, thinking the same thing? Praise God. So Jesus pointed them to Genesis chapter 2, and that's where I'm starting from today. I won't be able to repeat all the things I said in the first service. But there are five things that we see in that Genesis chapter 2 story. After God formed man, God said, it's not good that this man should be alone. So God wants people married. That's, that's just the will of God. Now, does it mean that everybody will marry? No, Jesus did not marry. And you hear people say things like that. But it doesn't change the fact that God said it's not good that man should be alone. So for everyone that wants to get married, and is old enough and mature enough to get married, that's a good scripture to stand on. And know that this is the will of God for you, and that heaven will back you. Hallelujah. Second thing we mentioned in the first service was the fact that God was able to bring Eve to Adam while Adam slept. That's the most important component in finding a spouse. Allowing God's hand to do the work. Don't choose your spouse for yourself, particularly single people. My people that five years, three years, four years into your marriage have problems, they will teach you that. They will teach you that. You know, sometimes when we mentor people, we only try to show people that their marriages have worked and to, to get advice. From people that marriages are bought, maybe some single people should sit down and talk to someone that went through hell in their marriage, because they picked their husband or picked their wife themselves. There was no counsel of God in, the, in making the decision. It's terrible. Reverend Femi Odulie, I think, is the one that first coined that phrase. He said, "Me, you know, she marry. <laughs> she has seen miss it in Yoruba language. I'm not talking she. I'm talking she, miss it." <laughs> She married. Hallelujah. Watch this. This is the third thing I want to share with us this morning. Please, very, very important. The Bible told us while Adam slept, watch this, God did something. God took a rib from his side. And God brought out that rib and formed Eve. That's very, very instructive. What does that tell us? Sir, you can't marry anybody. You can't marry everybody. You can't just get up one day and say, hey, I'm now of marriageable age. I have a good job. I have money. Who is available? No, it doesn't work that way. Listen to what he said before. He said, "Um, let us make man, put up verse 18 for us, 2.18. Let us make, um, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make for him a helper, suitable companion for him. And when he was going to make that help for him, he took from his side and formed her, molded her, created her from what it took from Adam. There must be a value connection between you and the person you want to marry. When I look at many people that struggle in their marriages as years go by, this is one of the main fundamental issues. They grow apart. I read that from a Joseph Prince book when I was trying to get married. He said one of the major problems with marriages is that couples don't grow together. They grow apart. And they get to a phase in their life. Some people is five years after. Some people is ten years after. I've seen some cases 20 years after, 25 years after. And then the value the husband is now focusing on is different from the value of the wife. They now say that they have irreconcilable differences. What happened? The thing that God used to connect them. That's why it took that. Re- God could have spoken from the ground again. Or formed from the ground. But he wanted them to have a connection. Connection. Spiritual connections are important. Valuing the same thing spiritually. Hallelujah. Connections are important. Don't marry anybody. Watch the values people have, things people call important. Let there be a a connection that you can project for. So when someone is marrying for money, or marrying for beauty, or marrying for fame, or marrying for something temporal, you know it's a shaky foundation. Because the moment that thing that connects you together, that binds you together, that holds you together, is missing, it becomes a problem. Particularly when there's pressure on the marriage. And there will be times and seasons that come where pressure is on marriages. I'm seeing something happen that happened in the days of our fathers, happening again in our generation, my parents, happening again in our generations. Now it's, it's not unpopular for couples to travel abroad, families to relocate abroad. It happened in the day of my, of my parents. I saw it in my parents' generation. And the husband is in Saudi Arabia. That was the popular destination in my parents' days. Or US. The wife is in Nigeria. And just that some people have very short memory. Many marriages suffered because of that thing. Many children of their parents suffered because of that thing. And it's happening again today. Pressure is upon marriages. Pressure is upon homes. People have very good sounding reasons why I should relocate abroad. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Dr. K has dealt with that and taught us about that a lot. Just make sure you are following God. But understand this. When pressure comes on marriages, if there is no connection, strong, solid connection, real connection, not fake, um, fluffy stuffs. Ah, she has figure eat. Hey, he has six bags. Those things are not, you can't stand on that. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? They valued things together. We're going to serve God with our lives. We are born again Christians. God's word is our final authority. I've seen couples, one values the word of God. One values serving God in church. I've even seen couples, one is very traditional in his thinking. One is more contemporary and 21st century. And because there was no strong bond or connection between two of them, pressure that the marriage could not hold started to just keep repeating itself. God, in creating a wife, Finding a wife for Adam took from his rib there must be something that binds you together, something very, very serious and formed his wife. Hallelujah. That's very good advice particularly for single people about to choose a spouse and even married people. From time to time, you should sit down and have deep conversations. What is our focus as a family? What is important to us Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And this one is also very important. The next verse, Projection, help me. This concept here. So, and Jesus quoted it. He, said, he told them, for this reason, shall a man leave his father and his mother, cleave to his wife, and what, the two shall become one. There is, I don't want to dwell too much on this one. I think a lot of people have seen this one. Where some people are married, but it's still their mother that is controlling their life. Have you seen such people before? Or their father that is controlling their life? work? Sometimes, please hear this very carefully. Sometimes, the mother is not even physically there any longer. But it's the things the mother has programmed into the heart and the mind and the brain of the child. It's like they are navigating the person, well, they say from the village. Sometimes it's from the grave. (laughs) For some people. There's a point where Look, these are just principles and very vital things about marriage. There's a point. When a person wants to marry, you must know and understand that I am now a separate entity from my father and my mother. At the least, even if your parents had the world's greatest marriage growing up, you must now aim to be an improvement on the foundation they've laid for you. Not that they are still controlling your wife. Of course, we've seen the very, very terrible ones in Hollywood movies where the mother-in-law will come into the house and charter a room in their house. the other one is just graphic, just to, gra- um, to dramatize it, to show us serious it is. But there's no living, there's no cleaving. But what I really want to talk about is this. So you leave, you make sure you cleave to your wife. Watch this pattern. This is where my couples need to work on. You become one. You grow together. Just stressing again the point I, I, from the point I, I, I mentioned earlier on. Couples should grow together. It should be a goal for every couple that we are getting closer and closer. So he took a rib from her, but after he created her, she was now a different person. Yes, there was a connection, but your spouse will always be different from you. Number one, it's a different gender, praise God. Different household, different background, different experiences. Marriage is work. (laughs) Hey, Hello. Two of you must now grow to become one person, where you now start thinking more and more alike, becoming more and more alike. Somebody said it this way. He said, after so many years, I had a friend, used to tell me this, that look, until you have done your 10th anniversary, you are really not married yet. But if you people, I actually adopted that rule. When you do your, how many people have done 10th anniversary here? Raise your hand, let me see. You have tried, though. And I'm sure you have stories to tell. In fact, some of you I can remember some of the stories you came to share with me in those early years of the marriage. Where the differences. we are speaking loudly. Ah, I want it this way, I want it this way. Trouble has now started. So you told me that, look, after you do 10 years, you would have now learned how to bend and how to yield to one another. But the goal is you are becoming more and more like each other. And so this person was saying that you will see some couples after a while. They say, ah, you are looking like your husband. You are talking like your wife. You are behaving like your husband. I knew you in school. Two of you are like polar opposites. But look, and sometimes marriages start like that. Opposites, they say, attract. But as they grow on, these are the good marriages, the healthy marriages. The wife starts thinking like the husband. The husband starts thinking like the wife. They are becoming more and more like one another. That should be the goal of marriage. Some people live and don't cleave. Some people live and cleave, but they work to become one. Hello, that's where they fail. You need to learn to think alike. Hallelujah. Walking towards the same goal. So if you are going to get married to someone, look, you will see many flaws, single people, about, I, 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 I chose this, I, I did this. I remember before, there that some things I saw that, ah. And the way God delivered me was, God said that you yourself, you are not perfect. And I knew that. I knew that you are not perfect. And then God gave me this wisdom. He said, don't focus on her. You see, I had come to that place where I had slept and I had known that it was God that brought her to me. I knew this was God. But I don't know how some people these days, the way they find their wife, God help us. But, (laughs) and you know, some of these contemporary things, these white things, teachings like this are important. There's nothing wrong whether you find your wife on the internet or whatever, but just know that it's God that led you to the internet, and while you were on the internet, you slept. And when the eve came, you could see your rib in her. See, if, if all that one is there, and she's from the internet, it's okay. Or your village, or wherever the person came from. But God told me, focus on yourself. Hallelujah. Then around the 10th year of our marriage, I realized that there are some things that will never change. I've learned to live with those things now i have become one with them. <laughs> Back in the day, it would have been trouble, though. year, two, year, three, year, four. But these days, ah. Hate. But that's the goal of marriage. And when you see things in the person you want to marry, this, this decision should be made before you get married. And you are, ah, I can't adapt, or you think can't adapt, then maybe you should not get into the marriage. Because you will never ever be able to change somebody. That's not your job. That's the job of the Holy Ghost, and the way the Holy Ghost is even going to help you change somebody is he will change you first. Then, when you change, and your wife says, "Ah, my husband is now changing. He didn't used to pray before; he's now praying." Then, perhaps—and he's always a perhaps. Hallelujah. This is the fifth major principle we saw there, and I need to close. The Bible says at the end of it, it "said they were both naked, and they were not ashamed." There are couples today. Your wife doesn't know some things about you. And that is the loophole. Satan is using to cross friction in that home. You can't be naked before your wife and still not be ashamed. Naked and not ashamed means that the thing they saw when they took off your clothes, it wasn't particularly pretty. It wasn't perfect. But that's what marriage is for. You should not have secrets. Keep secrets from your spouse. Now, let's quickly rush to the other end because of time. That doesn't mean you should now get home and you grab your husband or your wife's phone and you start, they said you should not have secrets from me. Let me see all the messages. (laughs) You know, some people have a knack for hearing the wrong things. (laughs) And you are now the police of your husband or your wife. I know my wife's pin number. She knows my own, but I can't remember the last time I sat down on her phone to be checking the messages of our colleagues at work. Maybe one or two have come across in the course of doing business. Maybe our passwords, when she gets email, I see her email. When I get email, she sees her email. Last week, I withdrew one money from the account. The next night I got a text. <laughs> what? <laughs> How many husbands have gotten those kind of texts before? naked and not ashamed (laughs) hallelujah but watch, look, this is the point and we're going to pick it up from here next Sunday You, you stand on these principles and you can't have a heart that is hard I see some of these things these days husbands and wives sleeping in different rooms I don't understand it now, you won't find that in scripture that you must sleep in the same room so I'm not saying it cannot work but if the reason that you are sleeping in separate rooms, like your forefathers that had four wives, you have four wives, <laughs> is because you are not comfortable being vulnerable with your spouse. You have a problem. If you are not comfortable that when you withdraw money from the account, your wife can sit and ask questions, if she needs to ask questions, you have a problem. The, the foundation for that marriage is, look, it may not be that amount you withdrew or that separate bedroom you are sleeping in, or whatever it is you are hiding from your spouse, that may not be the problem. But that act, particularly if it's, um, if it's contradicting this principle of not being able to be naked and not be ashamed, if it's contradicting, the attack may be from something else. But when spouses learn to live this way, it's not always convenient. I don't like it when my wife asks me questions. Most men don't like it, particularly about money. <laughs> nobody likes it in that sense but that's what makes the marriage strong and it's not every time um, don't let me sound say a person ah, every amount you start giving no 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 i can't remember the last time she asked praise god did somebody learn something this morning rise on your feet lift your hands let's give god praise let's give god praise <clears throat> we are going on a journey father we give you praise i want us to pray to him again it takes god for marriage to work particularly in the days we are living in. And again, we are praying for God to just give us sparks in our marriages. And these principles, I believe, will help us. Lord, I pray for every couple here and every single person in a relationship or maybe believing you, God, for a spouse. Lord, help us, help us, help us to align our lives and to live in accordance with these principles. And Lord, as we begin to align, thank you, Lord, for the sparks that you will ignite in our hearts. Towards our spouses, towards our fiancés, towards our friends, that you have ordained for us to become our spouses in future. Somebody open your mouth and just pray. Like I said, just learn to surrender your heart to God. It takes a tender heart to do marriage effectively. A hardened heart has no hope It takes a soft heart, soft heart. A heart that can be naked and not be ashamed. Naked and not be ashamed. A heart that is ready to become one with another person. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. A heart that is ready to share values, share dreams, share visions, share goals with somebody else. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be in perfect alignment with these basic principles that we see from your word. Thank you because your word is still upholding us today, keeping us strong, helping us to overcome obstacles and difficulties and challenges. And Lord, we even pray for those people that are not in marital relationships and perhaps maybe are not interested in one at this time. Lord, in their other relationships with family members, with sons-in-laws and daughters-in-laws, with uncles and and nephews, or even colleagues at work. Thank you for the wisdom they need to navigate those relationships and enjoy the best out of life that you have ordained for them. The word that you spoke that is not good for man to be alone applies to them as well. And Lord, we pray for such people today that the men and the women you've put into their lives, that you have called into their lives to add value for them, they will begin to navigate and handle those relationships effectively as well. Come on for a few more seconds, church. Open your mouth and just pray for wisdom. Pray for light. Pray for the help of God. For fulfillment where your relationships are concerned. And may God bring sparks into your relationship. Sparks upon sparks upon sparks. So that things will be sparkling and be looking bright. And there will be joy. There will be fulfillment. There will be fun in your marriage and in your home. And in your relationships. We give you praise, Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Kina masata yala kadosa. Rengedosa kata yala pakata yala baba baba. Oh, thank you, Jesus. E basataya basata yala You are great. You do. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email KMIAfrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-0000640.